This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. Hey everyone and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. And today we're going to be doing a bit of a Universal Orlando deep dive. You'll know from a few weeks ago we did a Disney World deep dive. We talked about where to stay, what to eat, uh, what to ride, uh, some must-dos and maybe some tips and tricks as well. We're joined today by Charlie, Dan and Sam who are in the studio today. And before the episode we did a bit of a hype song to get everyone pumped for the episode. So I hope you all enjoyed the hype song that I chose today and hopefully it wasn't too confusing. I'm hyped. I'm both hyped and confused. I'm, I'm totally hyped, mate. My arms are in the air, waving like I just don't care. That's good, that's good. Well, it was the Finnish Eurovision contest, contestant, yes. wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Cha-cha-cha, that was it. And, um, and actually, I, I was there in Liverpool this year and I enjoyed the cha-cha-cha. That was definitely the best song. Where did they rank? Did they do well? Um, Finland came second, unfortunately, so they didn't win. Uh, they, they came second. Did you find yourself singing along to Cha 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 as you left? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. And uh, the funny thing is, Finland actually brought a sauna with them as well. So outside the arena in Liverpool, if you wanted to, you could rock up with a towel and have a bit of a sauna with some Finnish people. So that, um, is, <laughs> yeah. that is hilarious. I want to know where he got his outfit from because he was wearing that cool green. I don't really know what it was, like shoulder pads and then this wonderful spiky choker. It was very, um, very Billie Eilish meets, meets Spider from School of Rock, if you remember that character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good yeah. Film. <laughs> right, okay, so uh, before we kick off then, um, how, how are you doing, Sam? How is it going over there in the UAE? Um, how's everything been going? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking, Ryan. No, it's it, it's really, really good. Actually, um, I'm loving it over here. Very different, obviously, from the UK, but um, it's been a great experience so far. And uh, it's there is just so many theme parks. And uh, despite the weather being extremely hot at the moment, in the winter time, uh, the weather gets really nice, and you can go on some sunset rides um, on various roller coasters. So it's quite nice because I get to leave work, um, and all the parks here stay open till sort of uh, 8, 9 p.m. So, you know, I'm, I'm more than able to, to leave work and get some sunset roller coaster rides in when it's not, when it's not 42 degrees outside. <laughs> but um, it is a load of fun, and I encourage anyone and everyone who's listening to come out to the Middle East because it is seemingly, it, there's so many roller coasters and so many great uh, quality theme parks out here. But they're just, I guess, not a lot of people are coming because maybe they don't know about it. So it's here. Do it. It's, it's fun. It, it's there. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, to be honest. Uh, what, what Sam said there, actually, that I always used to think that when I was a, a kid and you go to theme parks, I always used to think, oh, wouldn't it be really amazing to live close to the theme park? Like, where if you had like a season pass, it'd be like, you know, super effective. You just pop in on an afternoon if you're three, you know. I always thought that would be amazing. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I always think that about Blackpool Pleasure Ridge because in theory, it, it's only about like a half an hour train ride away. So I could in theory pop over, but I just, I just don't. Um, but yeah, I could unfortunately, go. Unfortunately, I live in about the worst place for this tour. <laughs> yeah, well, until they build Barnsley Pleasure Beach, then um, you know maybe, uh, maybe because we could uh, put the big one off the side of the Premier Inn. That'd work. That's like the tall <laughs> point. Yeah, have it go down. Yeah, this works. This works out fine. Yeah, it go over the bus station. Yeah, do you think um, you might get a buffet breakfast if you ride the Barnsley big one, maybe? Well, it has a little bit where it just <laughs> stops and they just come and give you a breakfast. Yeah, you just stop and you get a buffet breakfast, you get some free tea and coffee, and uh, you get well, you five... you do the tea and coffee, come on. Yeah. Well, cold. also... You... you need cold drinks. It's got to be cold drinks. <laughs> Yeah, and you might get three minutes of free Wi-Fi, and then and then it starts, and then you go around. So yeah, it could work. It could work. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, how are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I'm not sure when you're you're releasing this, but it's filmed on Father's Day, so I've been out and about with the family. I've had a few ups and downs today. So we we went out to a, a new Marks and Spencer that built in in South Leeds. Um, in the White Rose Centre, it's massive. It's like the biggest uh, Marks and Spencers in the region. And we bought my son a, a really expensive, like slushy, uh, a Peppa Pig, not Peppa Pig, Percy Pig slushy. And he got to the escalator following us. He, he wasn't looking where he was going, and he hurled uh, by accident, but hurled this slushy down the side of the escalator, and it made impact a floor below and exploded. So we we spent a good proportion of the morning apologizing and cleaning up the epic amount of mess that had occurred uh due to this this weird situation that we'd created yeah that's um that's not a good thing to do to people throwing loads of slushy at them did you actually clean it up yourself or did you go sorry and then kind of walk away <laughs> like how did well, you it, deal with it it's, it turns out there's no like marks and spencer's code for you know an exploded slushy <laughs> From a from a floor above, so we felt bad and, and and tried to help. It like impacted this makeup section. It was it's really bad. <laughs> that is quite an achievement. Was it your was it your um? Do you say it was your your kid that that this all happened to? Yeah, it was it was so basically it was following us from from behind and just following us without looking where he was going. He didn't realise he was on an escalator. So by the time he was on the escalator, he was like, oh, you know, why is the floor moving? And so he, he, he knee-jerked to try and get the handrail and in so doing, just hurled the drink he had in his hands um, <laughs> forwards over the escalator. Um, so when, when I'm talking about the stresses of having kids in theme parks, this is what, this is what I'm talking about. This is, this is what being a parent is. You've got to stop them doing something absolutely insane. Oh, Dan. Oh, bless your kid as well, honestly. Oh, but what that's hung out. You, you'll look back on that and laugh and think... Ah, Father's Day 2023, the day when my son absolutely caused chaos at a John Lewis for hurling his slushy at a makeup table. Yeah, Marks and Spencers. <laughs> but yeah, we've definitely traumatised at least one employee. So That's I'm employee, that I think uh, Legoland do have a code for that one. <laughs> Apparently, that's what happens in the madhouse. What, that people throw slushies everywhere in the madhouse? Yeah. Well, no, they just take the drinks in and they put them down. Uh, and then they roll, yeah. And they just keep keep rolling, is what the staff guy said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's not a good idea doing that, putting your slushy down in the madhouse. <laughs> no, it's not, not, not a good idea. It's not recommended. Sorry, I apologize. I've completely derailed this podcast. Feel free to get back to, you know, theme parks, Universal. I'm, I'm keen to get started. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Well, Universal Resort Orlando. Um, I'm going to be staying there later this year. Um, you'll be visiting Dan later this year. Uh, Sam, uh, you visited not so long ago. I think, Charlie, you've been before as well. So I think what we're planning to do is just have a bit of a chinwag, um, some of the stuff that we liked and maybe share some tips and things like that. I think we'll kick off with where to stay. So um, full disclosure, when I go to Florida, we're planning to, well, we are staying at Cabana Bay. We chose Cabana Bay because... It's it's kind of a, a universal equivalent to a moderate resort, I guess. You know, it's not the top tier, but it's also not the kind of budget category either. One of the reasons why we chose it is because, as you all know, you know, I'm getting old these days and I need to have more rest days. You know, I need to have a couple of days where I can have a bit of a chill by the pool. And one of the, one of the benefits of Cabana Bays is that they have a nice lazy river and a really nice pool area which is great. Also, literally next door to Volcano Bay. So it's kind of like the perfect place to have a pool day because not only can I enjoy the Lazy River and everything that the hotel has to offer, maybe go bowling or something because they've got a bowling alley as well, which I think is really expensive, but they've got it if you want to do it. And then you can literally just wander next door into Volcano Bay as long as you've got a ticket, obviously, which I presume you would do if you're staying there. So do you guys have any favourites, uh, when it comes to hotels at Universal Orlando or ones that you would really like to stay at, ones that you like the look of. Um, one thing that's worth mentioning is, and I think we've mentioned this on a previous podcast, is that if you choose to stay at one of the top tier hotels at Universal, they also offer a fast pass as well, the express pass, which is, it's it's even though it's quite a lot more money to stay at the top tier hotels, those fast passes can be like $200 a day or something like incredible. So the kind of value that you get is worth it. The only thing I would say is that if you're going to be visiting universal at a very quiet time, then it's probably not worth it just for the express passes, but it might be worth it because the hotels are really nice. So for you guys, if you were staying at a universal hotel, which ones do you think uh, you'd be looking forward to staying at the most? Um, well, I think if we're looking at the sort of lower end, um, I mean, I mean, the bottom ones you'd have like the uh, Endless Summer Resort, which is like the dockside one with the suites. Uh, I think those don't look too bad in budget one. If I was going for like more of the top end, I'd be tempted to have a look at maybe the Hard Rock Hotel. I, you know, I just like the sort of like theme and the look of it. Yeah, I think the thing is with the Endless Summer ones is that they are they are sort of classed as kind of budget hotels, but um, comparatively, they're, they're quite in in comparison to Disney's budget hotels, which are still actually quite expensive compared to international drive hotels. The endless summer hotels are kind of dependent on when you go. They can be comparative in price to the other hotels on international drive because it's probably worth mentioning that it is. Um, the hotel is at the top end of international drive and you do have to kind of go across the I-4 uh, to get to Volcano Bay and the rest of the resort, but it's still pretty close. Also, you can use the shuttle buses as well. So it's quite a good option is Endless Summer. If you're looking for a budget option, but you also want that touch of 
being on resort as well, then it's also a good option. Being on the end of uh, International Drive is not too bad either. Though. There's, there's a lot of interesting things to, to see if you have a walk down. I think when we were looking into it, because I think there was a period where we, we weren't 100% sure whether we'd be doing like a primarily Disney-oriented Orlando holiday or whether we would be looking a bit more at the, the Universal side of things and making that the default. Uh, and when we were sort of looking at prices, we were we were looking at Cabana Bay as well. And I think we were looking at um, Sapphire Falls as well, which I remember being a little bit more expensive. I think the issue for us wasn't the hotels because the hotels looked way more spacious than anything you got on the Disney side. And price-wise, were loads more competitive. Um, the issue for us was all the other... Because like, basically, it decides your holiday, doesn't it, to some extent? Because it decides your defaults, what you'll do like day to day for a good bulk of your time. And again, because we've got the the younger kids, I, I feel a little bit more limited at Universal. I think the only reason we were, we were more looking there is because the, the the value sort of proposition from Disney side was terrible. Uh, you know, just after the pandemic, it was, it was bad for, for quite a long time. Um, so even though the parks weren't brilliant for kids, the value proposition sort of was, was making up for that. I think to me, if you're if you've got older kids or you're just adults looking for a great holiday, I think either of those hotels or any any others. So you've mentioned endless summer. I think that's a little bit cheaper. Um, but any of those are probably going to offer loads more value than anything you'll get Disney side. But if you're after value, would you go for a hotel at all? That would be sort of my my question. Yeah. Now, um, Sam, this is an interesting one because. You stayed really close to Universal, but you didn't actually stay in a Universal hotel. So what would what would you say are the benefits of staying close to Universal, but not quite on Universal property? Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't, I was sort of waiting to see if we were going to talk about kind of off-property hotels near um, Universal. So when we went... Uh, fairly recently to Orlando, we decided to stay on International Drive um, and not be associated directly with one of the major resorts. Um, so we stayed in the, 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 the Rosen Inn, right? Now, the magic about the Rosen Inn is that it is right next to Volcano Bay. So uh, it is like snap bang adjacent to it. I could open my curtains and I could see the Volcano Bay Mountain and the slides. So it was literally across the road, it was that close. So you still felt like you were getting that, that kind of premium park experience because of your view. Now, of course, let's get real, um, a International Drive hotel is not gonna be as well themed to the extent that you would get as an on-property hotel. But let's look at this from, from a value point of view. Our price point uh, was about, I don't know, uh, I'm gonna do this in pounds, um, and this is a guesstimate because it was quite some time ago, but I would argue about sort of 40 to 45 pounds a night, uh, which was extremely cheap. Um, and we were close enough to the various theme parks at Universal and SeaWorld that we could either take a short taxi ride there or the hotel also offered free buses. Um, now, of course, there are some cons when it comes to free buses that are not associated with the parks because they're usually a bit of a, a walk away or you have to go to a certain parking lot, which is a little bit further away. Um, but again, when you look at that value wise in terms of what you're paying per room 
per night versus what you'd be paying on property, it kind of, you're happy to make those sacrifices. What I will say is um, this could be seen as a benefit and uh, a negative, is that by staying off property, every time you come back to your hotel, you are removed from the bubble of the resort or park you were in. For example, if we went to Universal for the day, rather than being able to just walk back to the hotel or uh, get a themed bus or stay within the world of you know, Universal, we were having to take an Uber all the way back into iDrive. Now I say it's a pro and a con for two different reasons. It could be seen as a pro because once you, when, you, when you get back to your hotel, you change and then you've got all of the restaurants on iDrive, which are gonna be at normal prices. So you've got, you know, uh, I don't know, the, your classic brands, your Outback Steakhouse, your, your, your TGI, you've got your um, Olive Garden, you know, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, Hooters, places like that, um, which are gonna be much more reasonably priced than if you were to eat in City Walk, for example. However, what you do then lose is you lose your immersion, the immersion factor. Um, but subsequently, again, when you're in the immersion bubble, it's lovely because you're in a themed environment the whole time and you're wrapped up in your, in your cocoon. Um, but you're obviously going to pay for that. You're going to pay the cost and the premium and the, and the convenience of being right there. So I think it just depends on how you look at it. Um, for us, we were looking at the time for just a bed and a bath. And that's exactly what the hotel was. It was a bed and a bath. It had a little Starbucks in it. Had a nice pool that we could dip in uh, when we wanted to. It wasn't the nicest of places in terms of it wouldn't be somewhere where I'd want to spend the whole day. But to use it as a base, it was perfect. And it also meant that we were able to have our dinners or a few of our dinners off property, which made, again, the whole thing a lot more affordable. So I think there are pros and cons, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on our on our last trip, we stayed at the Rosen Inn International, which is a bit further down I drive. Um, the only thing I would say about that, yeah, you you are obviously outside of the bubble. Um, I don't know Rosen Inn International. That's quite a, a popular one. What we did get a free there was a free shuttle bus up to Universal, and that was quite handy. And also, you could get the I trolley down to SeaWorld as well. But um, I don't know if I'd recommend Rosen in International just because it was kind of in the middle of iDrive and it was a little bit removed from, it was next to the massive McDonald's and there was a checkers there. But it, I think if I was going to stay again, um, potentially I'd stay a little bit further. I'd have a stay a bit further down at Rosen Point at Point Orlando which has a few more bars and restaurants like where Miller's Ale Houses and places like that. Or I'd stay where you stayed right at the top of iDrive near Universal Boulevard and, and that kind of area. So I think if you're thinking of staying off site, I would recommend either being in the action on iDrive or being at the very top next to Universal. But, you know, make a choice that's that's best for you, really. And there are there are three. We should probably have said this that there's. I think there's two or three Rosen Inns in that area. So there's one. I think, as you say, right in the middle uh, of our drive where you were, Ryan. There was one which is specified Rosen Inn near Universal, um, and there is I think a third one elsewhere. So make sure if you're looking at staying at a Rosen Inn, again, nice big spacious rooms, basic but spacious rooms. Um, make sure you really double, triple, quadruple check 
that you've got the right one in the right location. It will specify it in the name, but just double check. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to be hit with a nasty surprise. Yeah, and we had this whole conversation with Brett, didn't we? Because Brett is um, planning a trip for next year. And he was thinking of staying at Rosen in International but it was a toss-up between that and Rosen Point. And I think I said, well, in my opinion, I'd probably go to Rosen Point just based on my experience of the the location. But each to their own, really. And also, if you're driving, I guess it doesn't really make a lot of difference. If you've got kids, you're probably not going to be wanting to be wandering around iDrive. Also, just bear in mind that in America, people tend not to walk around as much because it's just so hot. Well, not America necessarily, but in Florida, it's so hot that people tend to drive around or if they're walking, they'll be going very close to somewhere. So if you so you really, you wouldn't want to be walking up and down International Drive, really. Maybe you'd hop across and go to one of the bars or restaurants, go hop back into your hotel. But it's usually so warm that you really don't want to be walking around. It might seem like a good idea before you go, but um, trust me, it's, it's, it's not a good idea. Um, you're going to be walking around the park so much, you, you're going to be too tired to walk around International Drive for sure. So, um, yeah, so so I think that covers um, some of the options to, to stay. A bit like Disney, that you know, they've got the budget option, they've got the moderate option, then they've got the more luxurious option. Not all the more luxurious options come with the Express Pass, so double check that. If you're, if you, you know, if you've got kids and you can only visit at Easter or around Halloween, perhaps, you know, literally around Halloween itself, maybe going somewhere with the fast pass, even though you'll be spending more money up front, might make a lot of sense uh, because you'll actually save a lot of money in the long run. Also, you'll get on rides uh, a bit quicker. The other thing to mention about Universal is that you do get early entry into the parks well into air park and that tends to rotate uh between islands of adventure and universal studios dependent on the time of year in my experience the early entry tends to be more for islands of adventure especially around halloween time um but it just depends so you need to just check which one is doing early entry to be honest though it doesn't make a lot of difference i don't know what you guys think but even though and this kind of goes on to our, on to our next point. This is a bit of a segue, this, uh, going into talking about the park itself. This Universal Orlando Resort is, is a resort like Disney, but not as big as Disney, i.e. it's got bars and restaurants, it's got hotels, it's got theme parks, it's got a water park. The thing is, though, um, whereas the Disney parks, are, or at least most of the Disney parks, are very much disconnected, the... Really, Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios are, are right next to each other. And not only that, that if you have a park hopper ticket, which if you're coming from the UK, you probably will have a park hopper ticket unless you, you buy a ticket on the gate or something just for one park. You actually can very easily go from one to the other. And one option is to literally just walk into City Walk and just walk into Islands of Adventure. But even better, you can get on the Hogwarts Express. And that's a great way to get in between parks. I mean, it'd be great if in the UK you could hop on something as immersive as the Hogwarts Express to go in between parks. But... You know, and maybe maybe Disneyland Paris could do something similar in the future. I don't know. That'd be good because it is very similar in in many ways. So, what what do you guys think about the the parks themselves? Do you think um, 
you know, uh, you, Dan, you talked about having older children and younger children. Do you think the parks are more aimed at older children or do you think there is something to do for younger children as well? Yeah, they're definitely aimed at sort of older children. I, I would probably say 12 plus but like that, that would be my guess from seeing my, you know, the reaction of my, my kid growing up and, and what, what he thought of the place. There are, there are things that young kids can do, but it, it feels like it's, it's clearly not the aim of, of the park to cater for them. Um, and I, I think my, my impression of, of the Universal Parks is, is really good. I, I really enjoy them. I think as an adult, there's a lot there to, to do and to be entertained by. And like I'm, I'm hugely into um, some of the films that, that the parks are based on. So um, hearing John Williams score for, um, for Jurassic Park coming in is amazing. Um, and then... Again, it's John Williams for for Harry Potter as well. And there's two two different Harry Potter parks in um, in Universal. There's 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 loads to get involved in. There's so many good good things to eat and to experience. But it it does it does just fundamentally feel like it's built for for a, for, for a sort of a, a more mature audience. I think whilst Disney has uh, a lot of nostalgia appended to it and and is designed inherently for younger kids and families. Universal just doesn't feel like that. And and there, there have been some instances where we've gone on a ride, which technically, you know, kids can ride on, but like the queue system has been scary and has, has, has resulted in tears ahead of, you know, the child even getting on the ride. And you, you'd never experience that going to, to Disney. Uh, Islands of Adventure is... I feel like that in terms of what what it's got there in terms of rides is definitely aimed at an older audience because they have a lot more thrill rides like that. They have the Incredible Hulk, obviously, and then they have Hagrid's Velocicoaster. Um, whereas then when you go into Universal itself, that's more of an an experience park. So um, uh, it's tricky to know because it's a while since I've been, but that that that's the sort of the way I'd look at it with Universal. What do you think, Sam, about the the criticism that Universal gets? Universal gets a lot of criticism about having too many screen-based rides, and that's kind of a tricky one with the kids as well, because obviously you've got to get them to put the 3D glasses on and, and things like that. Otherwise, they're just looking at this kind of really fuzzy screen in front of them. Do you think that after installing the Fast and Furious ride, which got not a great reception and then also installing the race to new york which to me just seems like a bizarre uh, addition to the park do you think universal have now got the hint that maybe they shouldn't focus too much on screens and maybe focus a bit more on on practical effects and practical rides uh, in their parks or do you think the there's still some criticism there for universal i think that's a very interesting question there ryan because i think Universal itself, in its core form, is a movie studio, right? So what it relies on is making films. That's what it's, it's known for. That's what the, it's one of the oldest film studios in the history of cinema, for goodness sake. So, so I can understand why they use that as their core media form uh, within their rides. So to some extent, I can defend them, and I feel like they deserve a bit of defence and say, hey, 
you know, we've all come to a theme park based around movies that were 2D, sometimes 3D movies that we watched on movie screens. Um, and I think it's ultimately why and where people ha make that comparison with practical effects versus screens is that because Disney are so the other way, right? And let's be honest, when it comes to the main competition in the theme park destination, I'm not talking about amusement parks, I'm talking about destination theme parks here. Um, uh, Disney are very practical when they come with their animatronics, their, their, their theming, their sets, and Universal have and, and do rely on, rely on screens quite a lot. Um, so I can see people having the opinion that Universal use screens too much um, when they compare it to other experiences they can have in Orlando or they may have experienced on their Orlando holiday. Do I think they relied too much on screens during a period of time when, when we just had two or three very similar rides? Yes, um, I do. When you look at rides like King Kong and then you look at Fast and Furious and you basically feel like they're the same ride experience, I understand they're not the same technology in terms of the physical technology, but they feel to a, a consumer point of view, to a guest point of view, like a very similar ride experience long tunnels and of big screens um you know experiences can get can get the same however it's quite clear i think they've picked that message up now when in recent years we've seen especially at islands of adventure them move away from screens and uh they've built you know roller coasters a lot more practical effects i mean look at what's been built in islands of adventure in the last two three years um so it almost now feels when you look at the screen-based rides, they're really mainly in Universal Orlando um, on, the, on the studio side, as opposed to Islands of Adventure. Um, Islands of Adventure is still a lot more practical in terms of its ride hardware. So I guess the audience can pick and choose what they want. Guests can pick and choose. So I think, I think there was a time when they went a bit crazy for screen rides. However, I think they're now pulling away from that. But what will be interesting is with Epic Universe coming, you know, if you've been following the construction of that, um, there's a lot more roller coasters being built, uh, seemingly a lot more dark rides, which I know obviously doesn't necessarily equate to practical effects, but I wonder how the feedback that they've got from guests and their screen-based rides, how that will affect the new additions to Epic Universe. Um, but I do agree with you on a personal level when it comes to Jimmy Fallon's uh, ride. That, to me, just feels like a, a, a cinema, like going to, a, uh, going to watch a, a 4D short film where the seats move. I think that was a bit of a strange choice. Um, yeah, so I agree with you on that one. <laughs> I think it's interesting how you um, said that the screens are on on theme for Universal, because that does make sense with the films and everything. But I think with that as well, the, the screens have gone out of vogue. Because if you think about Universal over time, it's like the Back to the Future ride was like a huge thing for them. And that's that's a screen and the car moves. You know what I mean? So they've, they've continued with that idea a long time. Yeah, Universal definitely known for, for film and media. But couldn't you argue the same thing for for Disney? Like, isn't film and media at the heart of of you know what what made Disney the 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 
company it became. So I, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I, I understand that's what Universal have become known for. But to me, Universal are at their best when they blend experiences and, and play to all of their strengths. So like when you look at some of the, you know, the, the best experience they've got, uh, like Forbidden Journey, Escape from Gringotts, these are, you know, these are amazing experiences that blend uh, a physical component with w- with some of their, you know, their strengths on the on the film and media side, some of their, you know, their special effects and screens. Um, and I think they've now got a good selection of rides beyond that. So they've got these these blended rides, but they've also got like Hagrid's um, magical creatures uh, ride as well, which is basically a full on high paced roller coaster. And I, I think that that blend of all of these different things coming together in one coherent theme is is an amazing part of what makes Universal work. Um, but I, I, I do I do agree with Sam. And there was a period where they they seemed to go all in on screens and they they completely overuse them. I get the feeling that they are moving away from that now, uh, and I think that's that's for the better. Yeah, that that does seem to be the case, and and you make a good point, Sam, about Epic Universe because everything that I've seen so far, I'm not seeing necessarily gigantic show buildings all all over the place. I am seeing roller coasters and and areas where we're going to see very practical things, so it's looking very interesting. So if we're going to talk about the the rides in the park, what would we say is or are an absolute must ride? For me, um, we're we're going to arrive there maybe early afternoon. We'll probably get to Universal. My plan is to pretty much pick up our tickets and then kind of march into Islands of Adventure and then get straight onto Velocicoaster. So I would say that Velocicoaster is definitely... Uh, a must ride for me. Hopefully the queue's not too long, but uh, you know it'll be fine. So, what would you guys say is an absolute must do or are must dos um, if you're visiting Universal Resort and you go into one of the parks? I think Velocicoaster, if you pronounce it, is at the top of pretty much everyone's hit list that hasn't been there for a few years. I'm really, really looking forward to getting on that ride. Um, everything about it looks amazing. I, I basically hear from people who've been on it that it is one of the best rides in in Florida. Um, so I think your plan, Ryan, is is spot on. Um, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike. I, I, it, it, its full name's really long, isn't it? It's, is it Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure? Is that is that the full the full name of the the Hagrid ride? I think so. Yeah, it's some something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I just call it Hagrid's. That uh, makes it keeps it easy, I guess. Yeah, no, I do the same. Any anyway, that's absolutely amazing. I I, I was blown away by that the last time I went on it. Um, and I, I think I think for me, those are those are possibly the two best rides in in any of the Universal parks. Um, but yeah, I guess so. Your your plan, Ryan, just to be clear, is to to get there and on the same day go on Velocicoaster. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. So I'll be in I'll be in Manchester at nine o'clock in the morning. I'll be on Velocicoaster at five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> 
<laughs> that that's my my big plan. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how jealous. that pans out. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the benefit of staying at Universal in that I'll be able to go into the hotel. Um, I've already got my tickets and everything all uh, printed out and everything. So I just need to literally get given the physical cards when I get there, which I think I can do in the hotel. And then I can just go and march into the park and enjoy my, my two-week um, pass at Universal. I, I'm just going to send you abuse in text form just <laughs> I'm going to be wildly jealous. Um, I'm going to open a question up to the group because I th- this this coaster seems to have such like mixed reviews. I, to, I've got a bias; I really like it. But what are our thoughts on Rip Pride Rocket? I I, I love it. It's one of my favorite rides. Um, I, I I don't understand the mixed reviews thing because if anyone rode GeForce at, at Drayton Manor, that's how not to do they. X car uh, coaster um, because it just didn't have a big enough footprint. But Universal, it has it's quite a long ride. A lot of people don't like the vertical lift hill, and I have to admit that I kind of feel like I'm going to slip out every time. It so, has a funny uh, name, doesn't it? The lift hill on those. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's something I've I've come across. But I mean, isn't the, it like the the Humpty Bumpy lift or something? They call it. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, I I enjoy it. The the thing that I enjoy the most about Rip Ride Rocket, and also I'm going to give you a, a secret fact here that you might not be aware of. The thing is with Rip Ride Rocket is it's a roller coaster that plays music, and you when you get onto the ride, you can choose a song. Now for me, that makes all the difference. If you choose a really good pumping tune. There's certain elements on the ride that I just think are perfect with music, and you kind of get those those kind of feels. So I think if you choose the wrong music, maybe you won't enjoy it as much. But I really enjoy it. Now, secret top fact about Rip Ride Rocket is, and, and I can't remember what the sequence is, but there are actually secret tracks. You don't actually have to choose one of the tracks that it kind of presents here. Um, and you, you press a sequence on the buttons, and then you put in a code, and you can actually choose lots of different songs. Um, there is a list. You can find a list online. If you search online for Rip Ride Rocket secret song list, uh, you can find it on there. And there's loads and loads and loads of songs that you can actually choose. So, you know, if you're not sure about the songs that are available, then maybe find one on the secret list. Maybe you'll enjoy it a bit more, maybe. I actually love Rip Ride Rocket. I know it has mixed reviews, but I think it's so much fun. And there is so much airtime. I love that you are constantly popping out of your seats or lifting up. Your bum is always always out of the chair. It's great. Um, yeah, absolutely adore it. Uh, with Velocicoaster, just to track back earlier with what you were saying, Ryan, I think it's a great idea. And Dan and Ryan, when you guys go and Charlie, inevitably when you end up going um, again, I'm sure in the future, um, you guys will love it. It's a fantastic coaster. It's really intense. And that hang time is just wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I think my absolute must do's uh, would be Hagrid's. I still honestly think because I love a story and I love a film immersive package, Hagrid's is just one of the best things I've ever ridden. I've never come off a coaster like that before, hit the brake run, and then been in tears. And I would, ju- I would just like to state, I am not a Potterhead. I am not obsessed with Harry Potter in particular. I think it's a, it's a cool enough movie series, but I'm not, you know, obsessed with it. But 
what Universal continue to do with the Harry Potter theme parks and the different areas that they make is outstanding. In my opinion, the Harry Potter areas um, at Universal Orlando probably up until this day are some of the best immersive theme park experiences you can have in the world. Um, it's absolutely incredible. And I think Hagrid's is a, is a wonderful product of that. Um, but I also want to say, if I may, um, another absolute must do slash must ride is the brand new Bourne stunt show. I say brand new, it was new when I was there um, um, a year or so back, two years ago now. Um, but the, the, the Bourne Ultimatum stunt show is so cool. Now, isn't it interesting? We were talking about earlier about the blending of media and the physical world. Well, the way that they create the environment that the actors are moving through is a combination of media screens and physical sets and then using the illusion of motion on a screen to make the audience feel like you're traveling along. It is absolutely fantastic. And there are genuinely some moments in our stunt show where you'll be like, is that physical set or is that a real person or is that person on the screen? You know, it's completely incredible how they bring those two elements together that we were just talking about. So I think that's, um, that's a really good shout. Um, and just because it's fantastic for um, a bit of fun is the horror makeup show. It doesn't get that much love, but I think it's really fun and really interesting. And it kind of hurt, um, arcs back to the classic thing at Universal of this is how we make the movies. Um, because I feel, unfortunately, there's, there are some now, now some times where uh, the theme parks are now, they're more based on riding the movies as opposed to these are how the films were made. If you remember back in the noughties and nineties, both at Universal and at Hollywood Studios, they were very much about, here's how we make the movies, here's the secrets behind movie making, you know, we had Lights Motor Action, we had uh, the Studio Tram Tour, things like that at Disney, and then at Universal again, everything was much more about the, the, the production process of movie making. So I think where the parks kind of rebranded and moved on to, these are our IPs and let's ride the movies, let's immerse you into the movies as opposed to, this is how we make it. I think the horror makeup show is a perfect example and a hark back of, no, we are a movie studio and this is how it works in the industry. So I think that's always a really nice, nice um, thing to go to and to soak up some AC. One thing that's quite interesting, you've just kind of jogged something in my mind uh, that's worth mentioning about riding the movies. One thing that I didn't really expect when I first went was that when the ride finishes, you get like a round of applause from from the cast members um uh, and it's because i think because you've kind of done the show so you're getting an applause you know because you've you've ridden the movie you're in the movie um but i was just thinking i'm pretty sure they also did it at bush gardens for some reason and i could never i couldn't understand why they did it there um unless it's a trick of memory but i can totally understand why you get a round of applause at universal but i'm not sure why we got one at bush gardens so I can't remember. Also, um, Outsider, this is this is a ride that we really enjoyed that just doesn't get enough love. And that is one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Because it's um it, it's a bit it can be a bit of a bit of a soaker um if you get caught. But it it's so fun because you've got to kind of keep up it's it's a kind of you know, it's like a standard ride that goes around in a circle. 
uh, and you've got to kind of move it up and down, but you've got to kind of do it in line with the the rhyme, the Dr. Zeus rhyme. And if you don't, then you get squirted in the face. So I quite enjoyed that. The only other ride worth mentioning is Bluto's Build Ratch, Bluto's Build Rat Barges. Now this is the the wettest that you will ever get on a ride. Never mind Valhalla. Um, Bluto's Build Build Rat yeah. Rap, Rapids. You will literally get soaked to the bone. It just constantly, it goes on forever. It's like a 10 minute ride. It probably isn't, but yeah. it feels like 10 minutes of just getting water poured on you, poured on you, poured on you. It's just incredible. So that's worth mentioning as well. Yeah, that's a work one, definitely. Did um, did you manage to get on that with the kids, the Blue Toes Bilge Rat Barges, Dan? Because I can imagine that being a bit of a situation if you went on that with, with the kids. I'm trying to stretch my memory. I actually have no recollection of that ride. So no, uh, unless I went on it and then have managed to somehow forget afterwards. Uh, But no, I I don't think we spent much time in that area of the park. And I think it was because, uh, I I can't even remember the reason. I think we'd like taken a turn to go on the the Spider-Man ride, which I think is, is that quite near it? Because I think that's quite yeah. near the area. Yeah. yeah, it's not too far away, yeah. So I think we'd both gone on that Spider-Man ride and then I think we'd queued to get Martin a photo with Spider-Man. And then afterwards he was bursting for the toilet and we sort of ran through the next few lands trying to find a toilet. So I yeah, I think we may just have missed it. So I'm making a note to myself to check it out uh, this time around. Um, one question I do have, because I think it's it's interesting that we've we've gone through quite a few rides, and like we were talking about some of that sort of higher intensity roller coasters, uh, and obviously the the one that that springs to mind, um, you know, you, you've got your you, your Harry Potter ride, and you've got your um, you've got your Velocicoaster. I think back in well, not even very long ago, like you, you were talking about uh, the Hulk as like the high intensity coaster, and now that's not getting that many, you know, mentions. Has that more or less been superseded by some of these newer, newer coasters that they've got up and running now? Do you think? I think it's still, I think it's still an icon of the park, but I think it just doesn't get the airtime. Um, it, as far as I remember it, I think it's been there since opening, along with Dueling Dragons. Um, so I think it's just a staple of the park. And I think at the moment, people are talking about Hagrid's, people are talking about Velocicoaster. I think people still obviously enjoy the Hulk. And um, it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting ride. You know, it's got um, uh, an upwards vertical lift hill launch, which is quite interesting, kind of similar to uh, Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris, uh, but obviously uh, that's not at all as intense, uh, but still interesting. Um, I, funnily enough, when when we visited Universal last, the Hulk had just been closed uh, for its retrack. Um, so we haven't actually managed to ride it yet. So that is a ride that I'm looking forward to. And potentially, although I have said that I'm going to march over to Velocicoaster, I think if the Hulk is at like a 10 minute queue or something, because it's literally at the front of the park in Islands of Adventure, I might just march on that first uh, on my way over. So yeah, I'm going to give it some love, definitely. Yeah, it's a great coaster, the Hulk. Um, like you said about that, um, with the launch up the lift hill, that is 
a really great unique element there's, there's very few things that do that how that one does and it's very unique sensation it's like when you get get like airtime on a hill but you're going up so it's, i do that's one of my favorite things uh on a coaster that i think i've ever been on to be honest but it's interesting because like we weren't even like it wasn't even on the radar like i i've, I've forgotten it was there and then I, I sort of suddenly clicked whilst i was talking through some of the best roller coasters because i i think it's an amazing experience but you just don't talk about it. no one talks about it anymore and it's it, it does seem like a shame because it's it is unique and i, I really like the theming like the queue theming's a bit rubbish but the theming on the ride is really good i really enjoy it uh, it seems like a shame it's not getting the love that it, it used to get it's funny when we when we went the um the other year it was yeah it wasn't getting that many queues in fact it was <clears throat> the the wait times were really really doable it was one of the ones we often found ourselves going back to because the wait was you know 20 minutes 15 20 minutes um and i think with the with the refit of it all and the installation of the speakers on on rides so you get the on-ride audio it's just it makes for a whole whole kind of other dimension and really brings the coaster to a higher intensity level i think um but i do actually have a question for you dan um i guess coming from a from a family perspective um i know you'd mentioned before that you know universal could be potentially quite a challenging experience for for kids um and one thing i wanted to mention here was that i feel some of the kids zones um like the zeus landing and and, and kid zone they feel a bit run down and a bit tired and somewhat neglected so i guess from a from a family perspective and i know this is obviously subjective from child to child but what do you think universal could do to make it a more family experience or at least do to upgrade some of the some of the pre-existing family areas they have um i mean i don't have children so i don't um i can't speak to to going to a theme park and having a family um with me so uh, so i'm just purely from a family perspective I'm, I'm really interested to know your thoughts yeah i think the 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 thing about universal the family rides at universal is they're always intense in in some way so like even the the rides that clearly aren't like physically intense so like we went on the et ride like that is a really relaxing ride in a lot of ways it's very slow it's there's you know there's no big ups or downs it's it's pretty much you know um as family oriented as you, you get, get in the park and it's a classic ride that everyone enjoys you know you don't have to have kids to go on that ride but the problem is it's a really dark and B, it's got quite an intense, like it's got quite intense noises and sounds and, and music going on. And if you've got a young kid, that can freak them right out. So we had a screaming child by the end of that ride uh, who, who like wanted to be off the ride about halfway around. So it was like a worst case scenario for us. Um, and I, I think that's the the type of thing, the, the type of situation that is the most stress stressful kind of place you can be as a parent whilst as in disney you've got loads of fun happy rides with like you know fun music in a fun area that everything around is really themed lightly and bubbly and you can get on a ride like a carousel and you can go around and it's 
it's a central part of, of, of which area of, of the park you're in. So it doesn't feel like it's a side thing pushed out. It's it's a central point. It's a central ride, even though it's a little carousel. You're having lots of fun, lots of happy music, loads of fun characters walking around. You just you you don't get that at Universal. And I'm not saying there isn't stuff for young kids. And I think that part of the problem that we had is that we didn't really plan it in as much detail as we should have. But it it feels like there just aren't that that kind of there isn't that family connection in the same way there there is in other parks. Um, I think to improve it, they could they could just maybe have. I, I, I'm not even sure if there is an easy way to improve it. I think I think maybe just just locking down the demographic and saying, look, this is a park that really is designed for for young families, sort of twelve and above, and and making that clear would probably be the the easier route. Like there are experiences for younger kids, but you know this this isn't who we're aiming aiming at, and I think that's basically the route they've gone down. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just it, it just means that for families who are doing planning, they, they know what they're going to get because we'd still go because we still want to experience the rides. It, it would just make make it easier for us to do our planning, basically. Uh, I think it's so interesting to hear your hear your perspective. Um, and I think I think you're right. I think I think that's a great idea that, that they kind of if, if they know what they are, you know, stick to what you're what you are and what you're good at. But I think. Yeah, clearly where they've struggled perhaps is they've tried to fit the entire market, you know what I mean? Like they've tried to have something a bit for everyone, which has just meant that in their focus of, I guess, trying to get more adult-based or thrill rides or move away from screens, they've kind of neglected other areas. But um, I think you're definitely right, you know, um, focus on what you're good at and stick to it, you know? Yeah. All right, so um, before we start to wrap up, though, let's we've talked um, a lot about the accommodation, uh, about the parks and the rides. What we haven't talked about yet, though, is where to eat. Now, uh, before the recording, I was saying, I think while I was in the parks themselves, I think I kind of struggled to find somewhere to eat other than I think we ate in the three broomsticks, which I guess is a kind of must-do um but really i think we mainly ate in city walk um and i don't think we've actually mentioned this as part of this deep dive but you know universal orlando resort it's got the hotels uh, it's got the theme parks it's got the water park volcano bay it's also got city walk and what city walk is is basically an area outside both of the parks that kind of links the two and there's bars, restaurants, there's a cinema, you know, shops and experiences and things like that. And it's kind of outside uh, the parks. It's somewhere you can actually visit. You don't have to have a ticket for the parks. You can just visit City Walk and experience City Walk. What do you guys think in terms of eating at Universal? Do you think there are some uh, gems and some places to eat in the parks? Or do you think it's best eating in City Walk rather than the parks? Um, so I, I think the best, the best sort of selection of food is probably in city walk. Um, there are some exceptions in the, in that, the Harry Potter areas. Um, but like, I, I really, like the, the standout food, um, food experience for me was at the chocolate emporium. Uh, that was amazing. I really enjoyed that restaurant. Um, and there, there are like a number of restaurants like that. I think we went to a, um, a burger place called Cowfish, which was amazing. Again, just really good food. 
Um, so like the standout experiences to me have been outside the parks. Um, but that's not to say there isn't, isn't great food in the parks. I just don't think you're going to get quite the selection as, as you will, you know, on, on the outskirts. Okay. So in my opinion, I have got, uh, three, I've written down for this, like three different suggestions and they're all inside the park. Um, and these are not, these are sort of all sort of quick service foods that are pretty tasty and you can have them in sort of 20 minutes and crack on with your day just to make a disclaimer none of these are kind of sit down restaurants i would say um but the food quality is 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 good so my first one is um thunderfalls terrace so that's a really nice area that's uh, just that's just in jurassic world um, or Jurassic Park, sorry, uh, in the Orlando parks. Um, and you can sit there just next to the drop of um, Jurassic Park uh, River, River Adventure. And what they do there is they do uh, fresh, really fresh, like rice bowls. So you can have rice bowls, you can have a, like a bowl of um, fresh uh, rice and guac and, and, and salsa and meat of your choice. And it's, it's, just, it's really nice. It's just a nice fresh sangadi bowl basically ricey sangadi meaty bowl it's gorgeous um so if you're looking for something light if it's a particularly hot or humid day um that's what i really suggest and you get the spray of the uh, of the water coming through as well so it's really a fun atmospherical place to eat um if you're looking for something dirty uh like when i say dirty i mean something like a bit a bit sort of naughty you know ooh, a bit mm, yeah um if you're looking for that um, I would suggest going to get yourself some loaded tater tots at Green Eggs and Ham. They do oh, some of the most outstanding, gooey, beautiful buffalo sauce covered, cheese covered, like three different types of cheese, cheddar, mozzarella, blue cheese, um, covered in buffalo sauce, and it's gooey and it's ooey, and they serve it to you in like a tin foil, like baking dish and it's piping hot and it's oh god honestly it is just to die for it's so good my other naughty pleasure um would be in the pizza company uh so that's uh in the uh like cartoon zone area uh where woody the woodpecker is or i think it's kid zone actually uh, the pizza company there does pizza fries. So if you're someone that likes to go to Halloween Horror Nights and get your pizza fries, um, do not worry because the pizza company, I think it's called the Kid Zone Pizza Company, they serve pizza fries all year round. Um, and, oh, they're incredible as well. That's like sausage and pepperoni and cheese and um, uh, like marinara sauce just get a load of fries and they, then they just shove loads of mozzarella loads of cheese on top and bake it oh that's to die for as well that's really ooey gooey and delish um, and then if you're a dessert person my final recommendation although this isn't necessarily exclusive to universal it used to be but i don't think it is now you can get a brookie um, outside poseidon's fury they do like fresh baked brookies and they're really thick um, kind of ooey gooey in the middle um, it's a cross between a brownie and a cookie if you're wondering what a brookie is um, so it's like a cakey uh, and they're usually warm and they're, they're like crumble in your mouth and it's like a moist crumble really really moist um, oh, so that's fresh and lovely 
So there are my kind of three picks, uh, whether you want something fresh and light, or you want something ooey gooey and naughty, or you want uh, a nice little sexy moist brookie, yeah, you can get it. I feel like you've just given me a lot of clips to use in my out of context intro, so thanks for that. <laughs> I was just thinking that exact same thing. I'm glad someone else is on the same same channel as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I did you service. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I have to say, um, I do enjoy. I, I do, I do enjoy a brookie. I, I have to admit, I do enjoy a brookie. One, one place that I would just mention um, is the Hot Dog Walk of Fame. Um, there, you can get a two foot long hot dogs, um, which I would say is probably you know shareable. I mean, I mean, you could eat a two foot long hot dog by yourself i guess you'd be pretty full um but you can get a selection of toppings and things like that and it was really funny actually because when we got there they'd only just opened and i'd been reading about this two foot long hot dog and i said to shelly well we'll have to get one because we need to get like a picture of it it's just ridiculous and we're going to share it and there was like nobody there because it's it's not an indoor place they have seating outside i think it, it had rained like half an hour before so it wasn't looking that welcoming um, but and and this is just like one of the things about Universal and and probably about Florida resorts in general is we were just stood there looking at the board and you know how sometimes you look at something and like well I do want to get something but there's nobody here and I'm not really sure and we were like just about to kind of walk away and thought oh we'll come back later this manager just came out and he's like he's like hey how are you doing like and oh look what about these two foot long hot dogs you can do this and you can do that and they made it really welcoming and and in the end we're like, oh yeah great no we'll go we'll go and order so I would uh, give a shout out for um you know, I'd imagine these managers of these outlets are probably targeted on, you know, they have to make sales. So probably that's part of it. But it's also a good guest experience as well that you feel kind of welcomed into the place that they are. Because too often do you go and eat somewhere and you kind of feel like you're a burden. Like even though you're spending your hard earned money somewhere, you think it's like they, they, it's like sometimes the staff there, you think, oh, I don't really feel very welcome. But that was something about Universal was that wherever you went, you always felt very welcome by the staff. And and uh, and it's not just because they're after a tip or anything, which is some of the criticism that people say, but I think they are just genuinely, you know, they enjoy their job and, and they make a big difference. So shout out to the hot dog walk of fame manager um, who was there at the time. <laughs> I don't know if he's still there anymore, but... Yeah, it was pretty good to me anyway. I, th- I think the other thing to quickly sort of mention is that some of the best food experiences in Disney um, are at Springs and there's no cost to get into Springs and there's no saving for, you know, having having tickets for, for any of the Disney parks. So there's nothing to stop a guest who's got a Universal uh, hotel lined up who's going to the Universal parks you know, there's nothing stopping them from going to Disney Springs and going to Boathouse say, and having the exact same experience as anyone who uh, went the the Disney route. Um, and there's there's plenty over there as well. So, and there's there's so many options when you're in 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 that that area in Orlando. Uh, the world's your oyster, really. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts or anything that anyone wants to add before we finish? Charlie's top facts.
I do have a, a one thing that's a, a weird little trivia point, maybe. Uh, we skimmed over before those dueling dragons that used to be at uh, Islands of Adventure. A slightly strange thing about that one, that's the, uh, as far as I can tell, that's the only B&M invert that's ever actually been scrapped. Every other one, they took it down, they moved it somewhere. Charlie's Top Facts. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because we we rode it, um, and I think it was probably like the year before it was closed. Because what they did is it was dueling dragons, and then because there was an incident, they actually stopped dueling because it used to, in particular, the element used to be that the two vertical loops used to duel together, and that was like the the main thing. Uh, but there was a bit of an incident with loose articles. And so that was stopped. So it didn't duel anymore. When the Harry Potter world came in, they changed it to Dragon Challenge, I think it was. And we rode it, I think, the year before it closed. And it was very, very, very rough. And I don't know if it was anything to do with the way it was built or the weather. I'm not sure, but it was incredibly rough. So in my mind, it just couldn't have been relocated because I'm not sure that anyone would have wanted it based on the, the what it was like. I think it was the, the perfect culmination of, of loads of different factors. So yeah, there were there were two accidents back to back. One of them uh, was really bad. I think a guy who only had vision in one eye lost the vision in his other eye going on that ride because um, of, of a loose artifact that hit him. Uh, and then a couple of months after that, after it was reopened again, someone else got hit in a in a similar fashion, but it was less catastrophic. But then. At the same time, they needed expansion for the Harry Potter component, and it hadn't received maintenance in a long time. And yeah, when we rode it as well, uh, probably a similar time for, time frame to you, Ryan. Again, it, it was it was quite rough. Although Charlie, I'm I'm gutted it's gone because it was it, other than being you know needing maintenance, it was a brilliant ride. It's a shame it's it's gone. It was very cool when it used to duel. Um, yeah, unfortunate thing. I think it was some keys that came out of somebody's pocket, hit a guy in the mm. face. Yeah, I mean, and also if you compare, you know, because the weird thing is like, so I compared it to like riding Montu down at Bush Gardens, which still was very, very nice and smooth, very intense. It it almost felt like um, Dueling Dragons or Dragon Challenge. It, it was more like a kind of old you know, Vcoma SLC rather than a B&M invert. It was more like that, you know, because if you think about Nemesis, you know, Nemesis has only just been retracked. It's been around since 1994. It was still pretty smooth, like, you know, in my mind. Uh, it didn't really get a rattle or anything. Um, but obviously with these Vcoma SLCs, you know, like Infusion and maybe Odyssey, um, they do get a bit of a rattle, you know, still fun, but they get a bit of a rattle. So it was kind of strange and I don't know why that happened, uh, but it's a shame because I think we rode, so I think there was two sections to it when it was Dragon Challenge. I think it was, there was Fire and Ice, weren't they, originally? And I can't remember what, they changed it to two different dragons that were basically Fire and Ice, I think. I think, hung, yeah, it was it Hungarian? Two dragons from the books. Um, so the Hungarian Horn Tail and we'll see if one, the, the black one that Ari has to get past. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not can't sure. can't remember the names of the dragons. But we rode the fire section first. That was okay. And then we rode the ice section, uh, the ice one, 
and that was really really rough so it was kind of weird actually that one of them was much rougher than the other one and i don't know i don't know why very odd wasn't it um wasn't it ice sorry we're gonna get a bit of echo now because i've had to come out of a cocoon for a breath of fresh air um wasn't the fire in memory that the fire was the fastest one and the ice was had the most inversions or was it the other way around one one was definitely faster um and like more about the t- in terms of the track layout was more about the speed and the turns and twists but it didn't have as many inversions and the other one i think it was fire had more of the inversions and it was more um intense for for that point of view yeah i'm i'm not sure i think i'll have to i'll have to look into that sam i think that might be a, a top fact that I might have to add in. Maybe I need um, a kind of fact robot that I can maybe insert at this moment or something, but we'll see. I could recommend <laughs> you a good video about that one. Oh, okay, well, yeah, send us it over and we'll we'll have a look at that. Yeah. Um, that'd be interesting, definitely. But um, yeah, okay, well, I mean, I hope you've all found this episode useful. It's been good just having a bit of a general chinwag about... It's been really good just having a general chin wag about about Universal Orlando. Um, I just like talking about it anyway. And also it's good that I'm going to be there um, soon. So that's quite good as well. So if you found this useful, just make sure that you click the subscribe or the follow button if you're listening on a podcast app, because uh, it really helps us. And we are planning to do more episodes about Orlando. This is part of a series that we're doing, uh, we've been doing all year, and we will be doing some more. So if you enjoy the episodes, there will be more. Um, but before we finish, um, we'll start with Charlie. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah. Hey there, everybody. I'm Charlie. That's what you'll hear me say all the time. If you go and find me anywhere where you can put Go Theme Parks in, you know, stick it in uh, Google there. You'll find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all these places. Brilliant. Thanks, Charlie. And Dan, where can people find you? Uh, so we're on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. I think our, our main account is YouTube. So go there. Um, we're on Air Club. And we fly people around. I say we, I fly people around. So the first video that I've had on for a couple of months is me surprising mum. She didn't know I was a private pilot. Uh, So I tricked her into getting on a plane. Um, And that's scary. We've got like 50,000 views now. Um, We had about 10,000 of those last week. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, And we filmed our second video last week um, promoting a local charity called Yorkshire Children's Centre. Uh, so if you're into things going on in Yorkshire and you want to see sort of local local businessmen, local um, charities and see them go up in a plane and have some fun, then please, please follow us. Yeah, um, and, and fly and chill, as uh, Sam might say, maybe. And, uh, and Sam, uh, where can people find you? You couldn't have just, you couldn't have left it. You had to put it in. You had to mention it. <laughs> Uh, um, hi everyone, my name's Sam as you know uh, You can find me on Coaster Sam Blog uh, Mainly, it's a, we are on YouTube But the main uh, kind of channel we have is our, is our my I did the same thing um, <laughs> My Instagram account, uh, which is at Coaster Sam Blog uh, We do 
uh, reviews, opinion pieces, um, and occasionally we make a, a trivia video, although I haven't done that for at least a couple of years. So, and I don't know when I'm going to have the time to do it in the future, but um, you can find the link on there uh, to the blog. Um, I just posted a review about the brand new Manta Coaster at SeaWorld Yaz Island Abu Dhabi. So you can have a good read of that if you want. Um, also, I want to just um, shout and praise to Dan about On Air Club um, because it is such a cool and unique idea for a podcast um, and in general a, a format of, of like entertainment, um, borderline like short film uh, kind of mini doc um, but I think it's awesome and it's such a cool idea and I would encourage you to go and check it out because um, the sky really is the limit um, you know he's not just winging it uh, and some would say the idea is plain crazy but I just promise you it is it is really worth the watch and it's fantastic genuinely so um, go check it out I just wanted to I wanted to hype you up a bit you know what I'm saying Dan I wanted to wanted to big you up because it's generally it generally is amazing really cool Cheers, Sam. No, I appreciate it, and I really enjoy the the plain puns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, inter- in- <laughs> Ryan was trying to think of one just then, man. <laughs> I heard it in your voice. No, no, because I was just thinking because um, we were talking about there being a no fly zone over um, Alton Towers, and there was um, a piece uh, the other day. I think there's been some. Uh, I don't know what they've put something in with the air traffic control because they're going to be putting a load of drones in the air, I think, at some point this year. Um, so I don't know if that makes it a no-fly zone or just to be aware that there's going to be 200 drones or something in the air. Um, but, yeah, something to well, be hope, aware of. I hope of not because I was planning to do that. So if they – if they well, and to be fair, what they'd do um, is they'd, they'd release something uh, in, in the NOTAM so they'd inform pilots don't fly at this time in this area because of X, Y, and Z, so like drones in the area. Um, but that would give us like a specific time slot, so I'll just avoid that slot. So it should be fine, basically, because I'm looking forward to flying, flying around there. Yeah, and uh, yesterday a Lancaster bomber flew over our house as well, which was quite interesting. They're very, very loud. Uh, Did they hit the target? <laughs> I assume they were aiming for you. No, no, they they just flew straight over, um, went to some local wooded area, did kind of turned around, um, then they kind of flew over Leeds a bit, um, and then they just went home back to Lincolnshire. So they were just having a bit of a bit of a drive around yesterday because I think they um, they were part of the Battle of Britain flight, and I presume were part of the King's birthday uh, fly past. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't see the two hurricanes or the Spitfire alongside it. It was just the uh, the Lancaster. But well, that's fine. Uh, I don't mind seeing a Lancaster in the air. You know, amazing. Yeah, and seeing them flying is amazing. Full stop. Like they're what two two generations old now, flying engines designed uh, in the early nineteen forties. Uh, incredible to see them up and running. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well. Um, Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, it's been a good chat as usual. Um, if you want to find Theme Park Loopy, we are on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Just um, everywhere, uh, really. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, like I said before, make sure you click the subscribe or the follow button. Also, come and find us on YouTube. Um and click the subscribe button on there. We're going to try and do a bit more with with YouTube. I'm still trying to work that one out at the moment, 
but we'll be doing more on YouTube. So, you know, there you go. Anyway, thanks for joining us and we'll see you again real soon.